Today, I am interviewing Ariella Anushi, who is a yoga therapist. And you'd be surprised to know that yoga can actually be used to cure depression, anxiety, and even trauma. So today, I'm going to hear more about her journey, more about what she does, how it combines itself within Judaism and within modesty, it's newt. And I hope you enjoy. Feel free to comment and share with friends you think might find this valuable. And I'd always love hearing from you. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Ariella Anushi, originally from Cleveland, who made Aliyah, um, who is actually a um, yoga therapist. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming. Um, so this really all started when like I was really interested in finding more women in the health industry in Israel who um, I find inspiring, who have a story to tell, um, who also wear skirts and wear more tznu while they're exercising. And I came across your story or just I came across you through your friends online um, and we spoke a bit on the phone. So I was kind of interested to hear about um, your what you actually do. What is yoga therapy? That's a great question. Most people don't really know about it. Yeah, um, it's a relatively new field. Yeah. Um, so yoga. Anyone who's I don't want to say anyone, but I, yoga is inherently therapeutic. Um, it's it's designed to help us feel better, to be stronger, to be more flexible, to find more balance in our in our lives. Um, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, um, but not everyone experiences that when they go into a yoga class. I know the first time I went to a yoga class, I'm like, no way, this is not for me. Um, but it's it's when we're trying to make a one size fits all that it doesn't it doesn't always work. Yeah. So yoga therapy is is really focused on the individual and it's goal oriented. So it's taking the individual, really taking in the full picture of, of what, what that person has been through and what they're going through right now and where they're trying to get their lives and using yoga as a tool to help support them in, in that process. Um, so it's just such an honor to be able to, to support and, and guide people. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, the, I feel like yoga has become very trendy over the past 10 years or so and what you see mainly on like YouTube and on Instagram is you see these girls in perfect shape and they're doing these like crazy flexible moves and like yeah. and for a while I was really um, wanting to get into yoga and I always felt Ariella that like anytime I watch these videos it, it's such a turnoff for me because like I feel like an old lady who can barely even stretch you know like from like yep. my head to my toes so like how like, how, does, how is yours different? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying in my studio, there's, there's no mirrors, because um, it really doesn't really? matter what a pose wow. looks like on the outside. Yeah. Um, we, we call that like Instagram yoga. It's not about the picture that Instagram you're wanting yoga. to capture. Yeah. Um, most of the yoga, I don't know most, but a lot of the work that, that happens in my studio with my clients, with my students, is from the outside looks like you're barely doing anything mm -hmm. but the internal work that we're doing the type of awareness 
the, the proprioception, awareness of where our body is in space, and the interoception, our awareness of what's happening inside of ourselves, those are such crucial skills, tools, senses, really, um, that we don't really have many opportunities to develop. And that's one of the main things that we do in yoga therapy, developing our sense of interoception, our ability to notice what's happening within our bodies. So mm. that's our ability to notice when I'm hungry, when I'm full, when I need to go to the bathroom, when my heart is racing, when I'm feeling tired, mm. when my liver is feeling tight because I've been holding in so much anger. It's, there's so many layers and, and, um, and aspects of interoception that we, that we can nurture and develop. And I mean, you're talking about feeling um, intimidated by all of these images and videos of picture-perfect Yoga yeah, classes. super intimidating. The first time I went into a yoga class, or, or more accurately, the first time I went into the yoga class that was really right for me, because I tried a few before I found the one that was right for me, um, it was me, and from the outside I looked super healthy, um, but I was I was in a really bad um, medical state back then. Mm. Um, I could I couldn't. I couldn't balance on one foot. I could. I had. I had no stamina. Um, and it was me and a bunch of like 70, 80 year old um, students. All there, women. Even, there was a woman there who was literally on an oxygen tank, and she <laughs> was killing it. Oh my she god! She was doing every single pose, holding it for way longer than I could hold. And I just, I was, my mat was right behind her in class. And the entire time I'm just like, if she can do this, I don't care how long it takes me to get there, I will get there. Like she's doing her thing on her mat. I'm doing, I'm in my journey, my process, my challenges, my struggles, my strengths, my abilities, but I can improve. And when, when we're able to hold on to that, that knowledge, that belief, that deep knowing that whatever situation I am in is not going to last forever. And I have the ability to actively make a change. And it means showing up. It means doing the work. Like, no one can do the poses for me. Right? Yeah. It's, not yeah. like, it's not like when you go to, like, massage or physical therapy where someone's like, okay, this is what you do, and I'm going to, yeah. you know, loosen up these muscles. Yeah. No one's doing it for me. I, I have to show up, which is a lot of responsibility. Um, but that's also where we get the most benefit. Yeah. Wow, so your initial inspiration came from like a 70, 80-year-old on an oxygen oh, yeah. tank. She was rocking it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, I'd love to meet her. Um, so, okay, so this interoception, I just had a curiosity, like, do you have like a quick exercise that like we can right now on the spot, like kind of like get connected to something, I don't know, and like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like tell me. So let's... let's... What do I need? <laughs> You need your body. Okay. That's, that's the only <laughs> prop you ever need. Everything else is just extra. Yeah. Um, so bring one hand to your heart if that's comfortable for you, and bring the okay. other hand down to the abdomen. Okay. Um, my teacher likes to call this home base. Home base. And take a moment to let your feet find the ground, and if you're sitting, let your let your butt find the chair, let your sits bones find the support. And if it's comfortable for you, go ahead and close your eyes. If it's not comfortable, let your eyes get a little bit heavy as you turn your awareness inward. And tune in to your heart. See if you can hear, feel, 
sense, imagine the beat of your heart. Now don't worry if your answer is no, because it can be challenging. But as we invite ourselves to notice the beating of our heart, we might encounter different thoughts. And we can acknowledge those thoughts without becoming involved with them and refocus the mind back to the heart. Now, if you haven't been able to feel or hear your heart, come to your breath. Breathing in, breathing out. Notice what it feels like as the breath flows in through the nostrils. Notice what it feels like as the breath flows out. And continue with the effortless flow of your breath the way it is right now in this moment. You can pause and do this for as long as you'd like, noticing the different sensations in the body, the movement of the chest, the lungs expanding as they receive the breath, the sensation of air flowing in and out of the nostrils. Maybe you're noticing the rhythm of your thoughts, the temperature of your thoughts or different emotions that come up. Maybe they're the same on the inhale and the exhale, maybe they're a little bit different. And I always like to end a practice, no matter how short and sweet it is, with a quality of widening. So invite the corners of your eyes and your lips to gently widen. Yeah, it's a smile bringing us to a state of gratitude for our existence, for our ability to take this time, this moment, this opportunity to tune in, noticing where we're at so we can decide intelligently and compassionately how we want to move ourselves forward. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes again. Thank you. My pleasure. I feel like breath in general um, it's, a, it's such a thing to be grateful for because it's like it's an abundant um, commodity that like you know it doesn't cost any money yeah. and like and you could just take it and like rely on it. That's interesting the way you phrase it. We can take it or we can receive it. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. always around us. And what's really interesting when you understand the biomechanics of what happens when we breathe, yeah. the diaphragm is the main, is the primary muscle engaged with breathing. There are all sorts of secondary muscles that are there to support the breathing, but the primary muscle is the diaphragm. 
And when we use the diaphragm to breathe, it lowers and widens and, and it, it shifts the pressure inside the lung. It decreases the pressure inside the lungs. So atmospheric pressure is greater than the pressure inside of our lungs. And we basically are creating a vacuum and air flows into us, mm. right? When we're in a state of taking, we end up using our secondary breathing muscles and the muscles in our neck and shoulders. And we take breath, right? And we cause a lot of tension mm. in this connection between the head and the heart. But when we shift back down to the diaphragm, we become in a state of receiving. And when we really think about it on a bigger picture, Hashem is constantly surrounding us with the gift of breath, the gift of life. And the question is, how much are we willing to let go of what no longer is serving us, what no longer is nourishing us, to make space to become a kli, a, a, a receptacle, um, to receive all of the brachot, all of the, all of the, the presence um, that Hashem is offering us. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and then the shift that it happens on the nervous system. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come, come for workshops. <laughs> for sure, I've tried so many times incorporating it into my daily schedule, and for some reason I just don't. Maybe, maybe I don't realize the benefit of it yet enough. Mm. You, maybe it hasn't been embodied intellectually. You, you get it. You understand that yeah. breathing is beneficial. Like when you were here showing me this, like I felt so encompassed. I felt like I was just being held like a baby and I was just like, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like I'm here, you know, but I feel like doing it for myself. I feel like it takes a lot more self-restraint. Yeah. yeah. That's why we call it yoga practice, not yoga magic. Right? Yoga practice. Right. I right. have a t-shirt I'm wearing, grow positive thoughts. It's not, oh. just, you don't just make them. We, we nourish them. Yeah. We, we care for them. Yeah. And when we want to make change, even though we know it's good for us, it takes practice to yeah. do it over and over again, noticing in all these different situations and temperatures and climates, yeah. what, what works for me and what. Yeah. And actually your shirt reminds me of uh, the orchid right behind you. Mm. It was originally purple and it was really beautiful. I got it for like, I don't know, 140 shekels. And after two weeks, it was dead. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing wrong? Um, and, and then I think it might be because like, there's no, like, we don't have a lot of like natural light in here. So I think it needs to be more in the light. So like, um, I learned that like, I need to continue watering it and putting it next to the window. So like, even though the flower isn't there yet, I need to continue watering it. I'm still alive. It's good that you're here because I need to water it on Sunday. <laughs> it's like my Sunday chore. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe it's also like that with like our thoughts. Like you can water it again and again, and sometimes you won't really see it so fast until you are consistent, and then you oh, really yes. start it sprout see it sprouting like the flowers on your shirt. Exactly, consistency <laughs> over time. Yeah. Like, where are we putting our attention? Where are we putting uh, yeah. our care? Yeah. So. You were saying that when you, there are two ways of breathing. There's either breathing more forcefully from a higher place on, over here, or there's breathing from like a deeper place. I feel like maybe the deeper place is like what less effort or like less hmm. strength. It's a little bit more complicated, and there's definitely more than two ways of breathing. And for anyone listening, like your breathing is okay. Like it's gotten you this far. Yeah. A lot of people when they start learning different breathing techniques, they yeah. get all caught up like, I'm not breathing right. Someone teach me how to do it right. Yeah. Um, so you're alive, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's different, different qualities that we can, that we can explore through the breath, through movement. You know, what does it feel like when yeah. you have your hands out like this, when you're talking to someone, right? 
all of a sudden what notice the energy between us as yeah. you sit with your hands open yeah and then and then just go like this right what mm. right so there's something rejecting here yeah. something more well in shul yes my mom always lifts her hands up every time her name comes up and you want to hear like in the beginning i was really skeptical of it and then Ariella, i found myself yeah. doing it yeah. and like i'll put my sitter down and like I'll lift up my hands, close my eyes, and like yeah, there is there is something. There's definitely something, and this is where the I'm a, I'm a yoga therapist, but I also am an embodied Torah educator. So mm. my background before I started doing yoga, yeah, um, I was actually studying to be a, a Judaic studies teacher, Tanakh, Gemara, cool. um, Hasidut, and and there's so many things that we do by rote, like oh this is yeah. what we're supposed to do. These are the you know checklist. Of what I'm supposed to do, but what happens when we actually when we bring that quality of interoception, of proprioception, yeah, into our practice of Judaism, yeah, and suddenly, all of these rituals that we do take on a whole different meaning, a whole different experience, um, and it's incredibly powerful. Mm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people in Judaism. There's Or Halev that they have organization that organize meditation retreats. I actually went on one of their meditation nice. retreats. It was great. Three days of silence. Mm. Um, and then also there's a, there's something called Torah Yoga. There's a, yeah. a woman. Have you heard of Diane Bloomberg? Absolutely. I think right. Absolutely. Is that her name? Yeah. So she she uh, I met her and I went to one of her classes. I got her book. And it was really interesting, like throughout the yoga practice, she was talking about, I think it was either the Parsha or about the alphabet. Yeah. And it was, it was really through the moves, like we would be practicing one move and then she would be teaching us about one, yeah. one idea and the next move, another idea. How does that compare to what you do? So uh, you can uh, hop over to Yisod Blocks um, and check out the podcast that I did with Rav Zev Bannett called Embodied Torah. Okay. Um, and we talk about a lot of different concepts there and yeah. hopefully soon we're going to be doing some some workshops. Cool. Um, in person, which is going to be really exciting. Yeah, who's he? Um, he is the founder of Yusuf Blocks, a Torah scholar, and uh -huh. he takes all sorts of um, complicated Jewish concepts from Halacha, Hashkafa, Kabbalah, and makes it really, really accessible. Um, is that what Yisod Blocks is? Oh yeah, yeah. So the foundational, oh, okay. foundational blocks of Judaism and helping to integrate the the, the spiritual into the structure mm. of like halacha. Yeah. But also being able to see how halacha is in it's everything. All one, it's all yeah. one system, and when yeah. you can understand the system. It totally shifts our, our understanding and our experience of it. Yeah. Um, so, like, when I think about my my yoga practice, it is all in service of my Shabbat experience. Hmm. How does that materialize? Um, when I go to light my Shabbat candles, that is, I I think the highlight the highlight of the week for me. Right. Accepting Shabbat. Um, it's one of the mitzvot that, that women are actually more yeah. obligated in, yeah. than men. Not that men are not obligated, but it is ideal for a woman. If you mm. have a man and a woman in the household, it's ideal for the woman to be lighting the candles, not the men. And so, like, what, what special opportunity do we have? What, what is it, what's special about women, right? And, um, and I think that the way we're designed, we're, in, we're intuitively more, um, more aware of the cycles 
mm. that are happening, the yeah. shifts mm-hmm. that are that are taking place on an intuitive level, but also on a, on a structural level. The way halacha is built, yeah. we're, we're instructed to be to be more aware of our cycles and and the effect that it has not only on ourselves but our but our household. And um, for me, when I go to light candles, it's how you know when we when we're when we're talking about the breath, right? We have the inhale and the exhale. And we also have this pause in between, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we're going from the week, we're going throughout the week, we're building up everything in the week is preparation for Shabbat. And we have this little moment of pause before I shift. We say that we get a, 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 a neshama yitera, we get a, a new neshama on Shabbat, right? Yeah. So what, what what is that experience like? How am I accepting? How am I shedding the neshama that takes me through the week and making space to really receive my my Shabbat neshama as fully as possible. So throughout the week, I'm always checking in. What kind of support am I getting? What kind of flowing connection am I getting through my body? You know, taking the the breathing practice that we're doing. Where can I where can I invite the awareness of my breath to reach throughout my body? There are some days where I can feel it everywhere, and there are some days where I'm like, ooh, my left pinky is just blocked off. I cannot feel my breath. I cannot even imagine my breath reaching there. But what happens when we really let this gift of life that Hashem is always, always offering to us and we and we accept it fully, right? And then and then we take the light of Shabbat and we let it fill us. And then we go into Shabbat like that. Wow. It's it's a powerful experience. Yeah. So I mean that's just one example. I think probably my favorite example of of embodied Torah, but learning how to, how to stand, how to sit, how to transition from standing and sitting. We have our, our um, daily tefillot, right? Yeah. And, and all of these things, we can, we can learn so much about ourselves and we can learn so much about the world and, and Hashem and our experiences and the way, the way the world is affecting us, but also the way we're affecting the world. It's not, it's not stum. It's not, we're not just doing these motions. They're, they're making real shifts on, on levels that we, we're not always consciously aware of, yeah. but it's there. Yeah. We're not always aware of the, the, the impact we're making yeah. on, the, on the world around us. Right. Um, I really liked your comparison of the, of like the in-between, between, in between the breaths mm. when when you're breathing and then like before you breathe out there's like a little gap um and actually um ahead of our torah recently about this about shabbos how it's like it's like a time it's a different sphere of like reviewing your week it's a sphere of of like reviewing just like you review a business plan um you you have like these moments where like these breaks or once a month you go and like review what's happening um and i also I compared it to uh, gliding. So when I was taking swimming lessons, I found myself getting exerted very, very fast. Yeah. And my teacher, my swimming teacher said, Hannah, you have to learn how to glide. And I was like, what do you mean glide? She's like, like after you push in the water and you kick with your hands, mm-hmm. you have to feel your body just glide through the water. And I tried it and I felt incredible. Yeah. Like suddenly I had so much more strength and I was moving so much faster. Yeah. That I kind of feel like Shabbos is, is gliding. 
Absolutely. It's gliding through the week and like when you keep it properly and when you fill it like with the right with content of like spending it around good people, singing and like spirituality, then you really feel like the Shabbat just lets you glide. Yeah. And it's all the preparation that we put into like what's the quality of the stroke? What's the intention? What's the power? What's yeah. the strength that, mm. that, I'm, yeah. that I'm bringing into it? That's going to shift yeah. how, how we experience that. For that sure, life. for sure. It's the intention you put into it. And I think also with davening, with prayers, like it's so much the intention that you put into it. Yeah. And then also like when you ask for things in your prayers, like you don't always get it instantly, but it's also, it's gliding through life and like kind of leaving our ears open to like hearing what, what Hashem has to say to us and like just gliding while you're getting the messages, while you're getting the answers. Yeah, my you teacher know? likes to call it sitting in the synapses. In the right? synapses. So it's whether it's you're talking about the breath or gliding in the yeah. in in water. Yeah. It, these are all reflections of what's happening um, in, in the nervous system. What happens yeah. when when nerves um, are communicating to one another? There's this synapse. There's the jump in between from really? one nerve ending to the other. Yeah. And, and what happens when we can sit in that space oh. in between? Yeah. Right. Yeah. When we're not doing. Mm -hmm. We're just being. Yeah. Right? Practicing mm -hmm. to be in this state of, of being, allowing life to happen, doing our work, doing our hishtadlut, putting in our effort, and also trusting in Hashem and trusting in, in, in the support that, yeah. that is always there. Yeah. It's, it's really powerful. I think it takes a lot of practice and I love it how you've practiced so much that you can already see if your pinky is like blocking off the oxygen like that's a high level of focus like I mean it would be cool if I could like tell if like the oxygen is like flowing to like my nostrils or like I don't know yeah yeah so okay so practically like beforehand you were telling me that like you're working with a seven-year-old like, how does it, like, practically, how does a class with a seven-year-old come about? Oh, wow. Um, I just have to be very careful about how I talk for uh, confidentiality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people that come to work with me have, are dealing with um, chronic pain are dealing with conditions that they've been told there's nothing to do about them, that they just have to learn how to live with that. Mm. I mean, that's how I got to yoga. Mm -hmm. And doctors told me that there's no more surgeries that they can do and the cocktail of medications that I was on was just gonna be part of my life and just learn to live with the pain that I was living with. And I'm like, this is not living, this is just not dying. Mm. Like, I don't know, like maybe try yoga, I've heard that that's okay. And I'm like, what do you mean try yoga? I can't do yoga. Like, have you seen those classes? Um, and that's really where yoga therapy comes in, where it's, it's individualized to the person and you're meeting the person where they're at. And unfortunately, a lot of people have already exhausted all the different options available. Yeah. Um, even a lot of the non-conventional options and, um, and they're looking for any kind of relief, um, often not even really believing that there can be improvement, but just relief from, from their symptoms. Um, so a lot of people are coming with chronic pain or chronic conditions, and a lot of the people that I, that I work with um, have, have trauma 
um, traumatic childhoods, mm. um, formative years. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the women that I that end up coming to work with me have experienced some sort of sexual trauma. Really, um, the body remembers, and and the body carries the memories, the pain, the fear, the protection. Um, and yoga is such a fantastic tool to help people um, learn and relearn safety in their own body and trust again in their body and pleasure again. Um, so, I mean, you asked about working with a seven-year-old. It's going to be very different than working with a 20, 30, 40-year-old woman. For sure. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of play. Yeah. There's a lot of curiosity, questions. You know, I rarely will tell someone you have to do this. I, it's always a, an invitation. Oh, I'm curious, what, what does it feel like for you if we, if we tried putting our foot like this and, and moving our hand like that? Oh, what, what's happening with your breath now? Oh, did you forget to breathe? I, I forgot to breathe for a moment. Like, what, what happens if we breathe while our foot is like this and our hand is like that? And, Oh my gosh! All of a sudden, I can feel flow. Or, um, you know, helping helping someone regain the power to to observe what's happening and to make the choice themselves. Because so many so many people that um, the opportunity to make a choice about what is good for me is taken away from us. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's um, traumatic childhoods. Um, parents who don't don't know how to, to show up with compassion and listening to a child's needs um, or or situations of, of sexual trauma or any kind of trauma terrorism also a lot of the stu students that I work with have, have experienced um, terrorist acts and it's it's complicated um, I can imagine. But, but the, the important message to, that, I, that I'm always looking to give over is that whatever situation you are in, it's not permanent. And there are tools, there are resources to be able to, to choose what direction you want to be taking your life in. Mm. And, and it's, it's humbling and such an honor every time someone trusts me to, to help support them in, in their personal journey of of well-being and, and yeah. healing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you told me that there is one woman that came for one issue and then she got over that issue and then she was facing another issue. Yeah. And then yeah. We're 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 ogres, we're onions, we're parfait. <laughs> we have layers. Yeah. We have layers and every time we 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 discover and um, and heal one layer, we're like, "Oh, but like I can go I can go deeper. I can go deeper." And that's really the whole purpose of our existence here in this world. Yeah. The world is not for, for us to just, you know, have fun and be happy, which yeah. is nice when we are, when we do get to have fun and be happy, but this, this world is about doing work. And, uh, yeah, Ari Foles, the Khanada Recha always says, if you're living life easy, you're living you're it wrong. something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was uh, also Rabbi Chase Taub who said that our life is divided into days. And... It could be that like a girl is trying to get married for a really long time. So she could be going seven years and she's going through the same exact day. Yes, she may be driving on one highway or going to another event. But in her mind, she's always like, I'm looking forward to that day where I get married and then marriage and then marriage and then marriage. And then when you get married, 
then it's having children and then the anticipation to have your child it's like anticipating anticipating anticip- and then with your career and it's like and every one of those challenges is another day yeah so i'm guessing it's also the same thing with with the yoga yeah well you you found me because of my uh post about infertility yeah and and i mean Baruch Hashem, I, I now have a five-year-old, wow, um, healthy and sweet as can be. Um, but those years of being married and not having a child, not having children, because um, because I, medically my I was on so many different medications to deal with all of the the different conditions that I was dealing with that my body was basically too poisonous Whoa. to to create life yeah and um, and the compassion that it cultivated in me those years of wanting and not having and being jealous of people and being so upset that people had no idea how blessed they were and like take it for granted and and now there are moments where I find myself you know, making comments or, or interacting with someone with, without the sensitivity that I would have wanted from others. And, and um, no matter what stage we're in, no matter what challenge we're encountering, being able to, to recognize our ability to be compassionate not only to others, but also to ourselves, mm. right? Because we, know, we have no idea what someone else is going through. We have no idea what we can say that's going to trigger them and upset them and offend them. Um, and we, we can't walk around too scared to say anything in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, and that's really where the compassion to ourselves comes in, where we can interact with people and we're going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, for we're sure. We're going to say for the wrong sure. thing. Especially we're going to about the wrong way. Those issues, yeah. But, but we can always, we know, we know in our gut, we know from the experience, the interactions that we have when we miss the mark. And, you know, Chazal say that, that Chuba was created before the world was created, right? Mm. Our ability to, to come back, we're going to miss the mark. It's going to happen. That's what it means, achet. Um, it's not to, to sin, it's to miss the mark, right? Yeah. And we're going to miss the mark, but we can always, always come back, yeah. right? It's never too late to say like, I, I, I think I put my foot in my mouth when I said this comment and, I, and I'm just, I'm sorry that it was yeah. inconsiderate or, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have wanted someone to say that to me when I was going, yeah. when I was in this chapter of my life, so I'm yeah. sorry that I said it. and. And, and that creates connection, and that creates community, that creates love, and, and that's really what we're here for. We're, we're nourishing the sense of connection that we have with our neshama, our soul, as a spiritual being in this physical body. We're trying to find that harmony between the spiritual and the physical. We're trying to find the harmony between ourselves and others, us and nature. All of it is in a state of harmony, and when we're constantly the more we develop tools to be able to come back to home base, right? Feeling our breath, feeling our heart, recognizing our thoughts. What is it that I actually want to be doing in this world? I want to be, I want to be shining Hashem's light in the world. I want to, to create more connections and more opportunities for connection and, and never create that, that severing 
um, that happens when we misunderstand someone or misspeak or, um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you brought up a really huge topic and I just <laughs> want to dwell on it a little bit more. So, Which one? <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, I did. When I went through, I got lots of profiles to, look, to go through, but when I came across your profile, I was like going through your posts and I was like, wow, like this, like, this, like, dose of authenticity. Like, this is like not, you don't see this every day on social media. Mm. So, like, read someone's own personal views on infertility, on the journey they went through, um, and, on their insights, on their feedback. Like, ladies, this is what I really want to tell you. Like, don't ask me why. And don't, and don't say this and just invite me over, even though I don't have any kids yet. Like, like, and I was like reading, I was like, wow, this is brave. And like, Brene Brown speaks a lot about, about not, not infertility. She speaks vulnerability. vulnerability. Yeah, she speaks about vulnerability and how and how it really invites, it invites room for closeness, for people to, to, to understand you more. Um, and um, it, it really, it's, it's scary putting yourself out there. And I think that lots of women, so many women, are, are going through these issues and, and not many women have confidence to share. And um, I, I personally, um, I shared something very private on, on social media about five months ago about a miscarriage that I had. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't wait a long time to get pregnant, but I waited, I dated for seven years. I had a really, really long dating journey. And like, I remember it was so hard. And in my mind, there were so many days where I was comparing myself and and just like at a certain point, like I'm happy for them, but I don't really know when it's ever gonna happen, if it's ever gonna happen and no one's ever gonna know because life isn't certain. Um, but after it happened, um, it was just kind of like a whole bunch of emotions of how like once you get married, you forget what the seven years of singlehood were like. You forget what it's like to go home and feel so disconnected from from life from the world where like it's just you and your own world and like you see the seasons progressing and you see your family growing and and your friends moving on and then you start questioning like who are my real friends where do I really belong do I belong um, and there's a gift in the shikha and that's one of the gifts that Adam and Eve got after yeah. they ate from the tree of knowledge they um, they got the gift of forgetting and I think it's something that it's a blessing and a curse because yeah like once you have kids um, you're not able to relate as much maybe in your past distance you can relate to like oh I remember the days where I really wanted a child and I saw everyone around me getting pregnant with the second and the third and the fourth and and you remember it um, but it's yeah it's it's important to like you said to to find the areas where you could connect with the people around you yeah. and to find the gratitude to be the gratitude within your own life to be grateful for what you have yeah. and that pain that you're describing it's on one hand we forget it yeah um but at the same time the body remembers it yeah on a cellular level there's there's an imprint that 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 all of our life experience experiences have on us yeah and and unfortunately when we when we don't address those feelings, when we, you know, I'm just going to push that sadness down, or I'm going to push that anger down, or I'm going to push that jealousy down, um, it gets stored in the body. 
right? And so we want to let our, there's no such thing as, as a bad emotion, right? There's a place for anger. There's a place for sadness. Yeah. And if you, we want, if you block and, it, it just bursts out. Mm -hmm. So being able to, to express them, um, I mean, it requires safety to be able to express our feelings and yeah. for every person that's going to look and feel a little bit different, mm. but being able to discover for ourselves what, what that safety looks and feels like and then, and then to be able to explore the different feelings, um, the different expressions of, yeah. of the layers of, and, and depth of, of feeling that we have, um, then we can, we can uh, instead, of, instead of, you know, sort of schlepping the baggage of our past um, yeah. experiences with us, that, um, that they, they become our fuel yeah. And, and the light to really guide us in how we're moving forward. Yeah, for sure. It's all, it's all guiding us. So how does a session look like with a girl that, for example, trauma, like experienced trauma? So, yes. Yeah. So everyone that comes to work with me, um, first of all, we have a phone call just to, to feel for both of us. Um, does this feel right? Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah. I'm like any therapist, it has to be the right fit for sure. Um, yeah. And so, and then they, um, a client fills out an intake form where they share as much or as little information um, that they want. And I start getting a, a little bit of a clear picture of what the person has been through mm -hmm. medically, um, socially, um, and what their goals are. And then the first session they come in is an assessment session where I see how, how they move their body um, I can see where, where the tightness is, mm. where there's strength, where, where there's weakness, where, where there's imbalance, um, different patterns of movement and, and pain, um, and breath and light and emotions and their voice. And there's so many things that, that I'm, you know, it's so much information that I'm taking in. And then with that information, um, we really clarify what the goals are. And we clarify what are the long, long-term goals and what are the short-term goals. And I put together a personalized uh, practice for them to start doing. Mm -hmm. and, and over the course of time, everyone who works with me signs up for a minimum of six sessions. Um, a lot of, when I first started working, people were like, oh, I just want to come for one session and like, just show me what I need to do for this problem. And it doesn't work like that because it's, it's a journey. It's a process. And... Um, and together we figure out what are the tools that works for you, what that work for the individual, and um, and what needs to be. What do we? Uh, sorry, I'm going into Hebrew. What do we need to medayek uh, <laughs> to clarify, um, to, to exact, specify? Yes. To, yeah. Um, and you know, some people come and they work with me for six sessions, and they're like, okay, I got this. You know, reach yeah. my goal. Mm -hmm. And some people they finish six sessions, and they're like. I just barely opened the door and there's so much to explore and there's so much to do here and they continue working with me for a year or two. It's yeah. so individualized. Yeah. But the important thing is, is that the client, the person that I'm working with, they're in the driver's seat. Yeah. I'm there to support them. And, and if it's a good fit, it's going to be so enjoyable for both of us to continue learning from each other. I learn from every single student that I work with. Yeah. Um, everyone from their, their story, their insights, their, their challenges, their yeah. struggles. It's, it's never ending learning and, yeah. it's, and it's always exciting to so discover I'm, what works for, for each person. Yeah. Every person is their own world. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to like figure out like how a class looks like. So like, do you have like a mantra for them while they're doing pr the practice? Sometimes, so every yoga therapy session um, is comprised of at least three components. There is some sort of movement taking place. Um, it could be a very simple movement. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's just lifting the arms up and bringing them back down in sync with the breath, which is the other aspect. So we have movement, we have some sort of breath work and some sort of meditation, mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes that's really just working on, on, on breathing. Can I meditate on my breath? I am receiving breath, I am releasing breath. Mm -hmm. I am receiving breath, I am releasing breath. And can I coordinate a movement to that breath, mm. right? And for some people, it's m much more complex. We're doing, you know, sun salutations, or we're doing different sequences that um, are are designed specifically to release low back pain, mm. or or you know, creating um, more range of motion in the shoulder. A lot of what we focus on is um, is support. Yeah, support from the earth, support from within, from the breath. Um, a sense of connection of the whole body, uh, seeing the whole. I mean, there's really six principles, six main principles that I work with um, based on, on wisdom body yoga therapy, which is the, the training that I did here in Israel with Michal Yarkoni and Rachel Krenzman. And the six principles are support precedes movement and alignment, which is not to be straight. It's mm. about the quality of the relationship from one aspect to the other, mm -hmm. uh, seeing the whole. Right? We're, we're, we're not just our intake form. I'm not just my pain. Um, I'm, I'm not just my body. I'm really seeing the whole of the person. Um, balance and regulation, mm -hmm. balance and modulation. Uh, neuroplasticity, our belief and our, our knowing that we can learn and the body can learn um, with, with, um, with repetition over time. Um, and love and presence. Everything that we do is with the quality of love and presence. And we take those six principles um, and we apply them to the physical aspect of us. We apply them to the mental, emotional aspect of ourselves. We apply them to our energetic selves, the breath, everything that flows in the body. We apply them to our spiritual selves. Hmm. And we apply them to this um, aspect of ourselves that we call, call bliss. Um, I like to think of it as sort of like our ner tamid, um, this as quality of, of oneg that we experience, this oneness, this unity that is that is fleeting, um, but it's there. And when we when we find alignment in all those different aspects of ourselves, then we can more uh, fully and authentically experience this this aspect of bliss that many people experience um, deep in meditation or um, or, or dancing or orgasm, all of these different things coming together, this, this feeling of, of oneness and connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess when you focus on those principles while you're doing yoga, you really feel more of a difference. Yeah. And it's, it's being able to introduce clients, students to all of the, those different principles yeah. um, and really let them experience them on a, on a cellular level, not just an, on an intellectual level. Um, 
I love getting messages from my students. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I was washing dishes and all of a sudden I thought about about my starfish and I really like my <laughs> arms are, are connected to my feet and like and then my neck and my shoulders weren't hurting me when I was washing the dishes and or I was pushing the stroller or I was holding the baby and it, it, it's these incredible moments that are off the mat that are outside of yeah. our practice yeah we're really the magic and that and that's what it's all about it's incredible you know? so incredible so you're like a doctor of yoga <laughs> like instead of taking prescription medicine it's like move like this you'll feel better well yes find the starfish and <laughs> yes be the starfish okay and also it's really important for me to emphasize that they it's i'm part of um a health team and that I work together with psychologists mm -hmm. and psychiatrists, and I work together with physical therapists. Do you? And yeah. and we, I absolutely because I, I have physical therapists who um, who refer clients to me because they recognize that this is not just physical. There's something deeper. There's something a bigger picture um, that this person is dealing with. And I also have people who are dealing with you know anxiety, depression, eat, eating disorders you name it and and it's not just it's not just in our heads for sure their healing has to take place on yeah this full spectrum for of, sure of who we are yeah it's all connected yeah like if someone's coming in for an assessment and you see them move can you tell what their problem is i mean sometimes yeah and i i can have an idea mm. and then and then we try some different types of movements and mm. see how it affects them. Yeah. That's why it's a, it's a process, yeah. you know? But, like, can you can you see, like, okay, she has eating disorders or she's too oh. stressed or, or I could tell that she's, like, I don't know. I mean, listen, I can tell when someone isn't breathing, right? Really? Okay. You can see when... I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I need to train myself more, but think eventually. If you start, I, you if probably. You start, if you start looking for it, yeah. you'll see it all the time. Am I breathing? <laughs> Quite I could probably I'm breathe more. I'm not breathing very deeply right now. I'm excited. I'm engaged in this right. conversation, so my breathing pattern yeah. is going to shift. Right. But um, and and that's part of the assessment. You know, how do they walk into the room? Mm. I have one one student who a lot, and I don't well, want to say one student. A lot of people, their whole body posture is forward. Mm. They're very intellectual. They talk very very fast. There's no there's no pause. They just talk. And they, I have this problem. And I have this problem. And that. Oh oh, and I remember that I have this and this whoa, I start noticing how I'm feeling in my body. That's giving me a tremendous amount of information because mm. what's happening in my body yeah. has a direct effect on the people around me, on every, yeah. on all living beings, the plants, the animals. I have a dog. She, know, she knows to come over and snuggle with me when I'm feeling sad. Aww. I don't tell her I'm sad. Yeah, she, she feels. feels it, right? And so when the more we tune into our ability to notice, notice what's going on inside of our own bodies, the more we're going to be noticing what's going on around us as well. Mm. So yeah, when someone comes in for an assessment, I'm going to have them, you know, come into table pose and, you know, straighten one leg out and reach yeah. the other hand forward. Notice like, oh, their hip just totally right. came down. Like, so you see how it comes together with like what they're telling you. Yeah. And like, have you ever had a story with like a woman who had eating disorders and then through the yoga, she recovered? Um, I've seen improvements. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I had someone with severe, severe trauma 
and um, the first time she came to work with me, she could not, she could not do a breathing exercise. She could not sit still. She was in so much pain that she was constantly moving around to adjust how she was being. And um, what well, we worked together for a year and a half, and her pain is. Like, if she didn't tell me that she was in pain, I would have no idea. Mm. It's totally manageable. I, and I tell people, I share my own story. Like, I had severe pain. I had yeah. pain. Yeah, you were telling me before how you got into it from your medicine that you yeah. were taking. So you had pain. So, I mean, I had a complicated medical condition that mm. went undiagnosed, and I had numerous surgeries. And during those surgeries, they did damage to nerves in my spine. Um, which caused um, excruciating pain, mm -hmm. and um, and I through yoga learned how to strengthen what could be strengthened, um, learned how to let go of what I could let go of, mm -hmm. um, and find more balance and harmony, acceptance, compassion for the body that I have. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood being very mad at God um, that he made a mistake. Um, wow. Why did he create me like this? Um, like, what, <laughs> how could this be what you have in mind for me? Um, and, and, and a shift, a, a deep shift to, to love and compassion and, and even gratitude that, yeah, I, I, I am a body, I have a body that requires a lot of maintenance in order to function and to not be in excruciating pain. And when I do the things that I know I need, like eating the foods that are healthy for me and getting the right type of sleep for myself, um, which was actually less hours than really? I thought that I needed, um, and what type, what, which hours I'm actually getting my sleep and what kind of movement is good for me and having a dog and being able to go for walks and getting fresh air. and having plants in the house and, and taking care of things that are not just me, all of these different aspects of, of self-care, but also caring for others um, has shifted my relationship with pain. So I'll never tell someone that I'm pain-free. Like, oh, I started practicing yoga and I went from being on a cocktail of five different medications to manage my anxiety and sleep and pain, nerve pain and all this and now I don't take any medications and I'm not in any pain whatsoever. No, I don't take any of those medications anymore. But when I do have a pain flare-up, my relationship to it is different. I'm no longer scared, right? So many of us, when we experience pain, Right? We stop breathing, we tense mm -hmm. up, there's this fear of like, oh, I'm familiar, I've experienced this before, and I'm, I, I know the route that this is going to go down, and I know what's going to be, yeah. and, then we, and, then, and then that's what happens. But when we're able to make the shift of, oh, there's pain, you are communicating something to me. I was sitting in a really weird position. Okay, I'm going to shift that position so I am more balanced and can get more support, and now I'm going to breathe what kind of shift is able to take place. And now when I do have a pain flare up, it's, oh, I overexerted myself a few too many days in a mm. row. Oh, I've been really stressed about this. I didn't realize how stressed I was until my body started screaming out to me. 
And the more we practice this check-in, both on a physical level and a mental, emotional, and a spiritual, and an energetic, the more we're able to fine-tune our ability to notice the early, gentle um, communication that's taking place. It's like a little kid who comes up and you're like, Ema. Yeah. Ema. Also with our kids. You ignore the kid. Yeah. Eventually it's going to go, Ema! They're going to exactly. be screaming out. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's not about being pain-free. It's about shifting our relationship to pain. Um, it's not about you know making the trauma that we experience disappear. It's about shifting our relationship with that with that experience. Mm. Um, and you know a lot of times there's necessary work to be done on a, you know with a psychologist mm. to really unpack it. That's beyond my scope of practice. Yeah. My specialty is working with the body, different right. ways for the body to. So for us to encounter it safely and and to release it and and let it transform into, into a butterfly, right? Yeah, butterflies. Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much for all these insights. My pleasure. And for sharing these techniques and these these ideas. I think um, I'm sure there are lots of women out there who who will appreciate listening and hearing. They're probably like think they might be even driving on their highway right now and like, I have this thing, how, this pain. How do I get rid of it? Or I have this issue. Maybe I'll try Ariella yoga, yeah. a new she, Ariella a new she's yoga. Yeah, yogawithariella.com. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so how how can they find you besides the dot com? So I have my website yoga yeah. with Ariella. I'm mm-hmm. also on Facebook yoga with Ariella. Okay. Um, those, those are probably the main Great. ways. I'm Facebook and the website. Yeah. Great. I'm, people are pushing me to be more in social media, but uh, it's okay. uh, my my fine fine line and, and finding balance of being able to be authentic and vulnerable. You know, hopefully hopefully with time I'll be able to to be even more vulnerable with with larger audiences. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, with your time. Oh, and one last thing I wanted to ask. How do you find, um, like, how does this new to meet your schedule on a day-to-day basis? Mm. Um, it's It's not just how we dress, it's how we carry ourselves, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, most of the people that I work with are women, so I get to wear, um, I get to wear my leggings and, and my t-shirts and, and be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sneud is also being aware of who I'm, who I'm working with. Mm. And, you know, yeah, I don't need to have skin tight clothing um, in order to practice yoga, right? Mm. And sometimes it's even more appropriate to, to have, to be more, more concealed. Um, it's not about how I look from the outside, right? I don't have mirrors on my, in my studio. I love it's not that. about what I look mm-hmm. like on the outside, it's about what we're experiencing on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether I'm walking the dog in the morning, um, you know, it's new is, is how I'm dressing, um, but it's also how I'm carrying myself, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's always there ever since I was a little kid. I grew up in modern Orthodox uh, environment and, and being very aware of my body and being in a co-ed environment and on the one hand being being proud of my body and not, not feeling shame around my body, which is something that, that unfortunately a lot of girls who grow up religious, um, we carry a lot of shame mm-hmm. around our bodies. Yeah. Um, 
So being able to, to find those environments where, where I can be proud of my body um, and also not be displaying it for others, but being proud of it in a, in a modest way um, where it's about me and my body and Hashem and not me as an exhibition for, for other people to enjoy. Yeah. So I hope that answered the question. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thank I you feel so like we much. Could keep for hours. We could, <laughs> we could. I, I, I do still have questions, but I think I do need to wrap it up. Um, but thank you. I really appreciate your time My and pleasure. you being here. And um, ariellaanushi.com. Ariella, yoga with Ariella.com. Yoga with Ariella.com. <laughs>